Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, please, Benjamin. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everybody, Ben. Um, me and Ben are a pair of automotive journalists, and we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk to you about. Um, some funky uh, European vehicles and some other weird, quirky things I've been thinking about lately. So, Ben, do you want to uh, start us off? You were... Last I saw you, we were in Vancouver driving some Subarus, but um, we parted ways and you started driving some pretty cool cars in a faraway land. Yeah, Mind and me a little bit about that? Well, that's kind of why we had that hiatus is because um, both of us have been in Europe at inopportune times and unable to hook up and uh, speak to each other. So this is kind of, it's been a, about a week and a half uh, outside of our normal broadcast schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Austria for the first time in my life where I drove a variety of Volkswagen Golfs because I was at something called the Werthersee Treffen, which is uh, the German word for festival, where they celebrate all things GTI. But um, they're not just into GTIs. They're into pretty much every Volkswagen. So every year... So let me set the scene for you, Sammy. Hit me. In Germany and Austria, by extension, there's this thing called Father's Day, but it's not the same as our Father's Day. It takes place, I think, 40 days after Easter, because it's mm. also it coincides with something else called Ascension Day, <laughs> which okay. I love because it makes me think I'm about to watch a sci-fi movie. But what it really talks about is Christ descending up into heaven, uh, as according to the uh, the New Testament. Um, but in Germany, not only did Christ ascend into heaven, but... Every father needs to get super wasted on beer. Uh, Naturally. And preferably, Wait, it has to be on beer? Well, yeah. Well, it's it's Germany and beer is their thing. And uh, preferably they go out in the woods to do this. So his, that's the history of Father's Day in Germany is people getting drunk in the woods. But They have to do it away from the, other, the non-fathers, right? I guess so. The, the patriarchy must remain concealed, mm. even though we all know it's there. But um, in, in this town in Austria... In 1981, a whole bunch of dads got together and they're like, you know what? We're really into getting wasted on beer, but we're also really into Volkswagen Golfs and specifically GTI. So how about we all bring our cars and just park them and then get wasted and have fun around the cars? And everyone was like, ah, that's a good idea. So that kind of snowballed. And <laughs> <laughs> As it, it, they should have seen this coming. I know. I, I don't know what they were thinking. So essentially, think of Wuthersee as the uh, – or Wuthersee as it's properly pronounced – Think of it as the Sturgis of Europe, where now 200,000 people show up at this event every year. I think it's 200,000. And it's, it becomes an ex- – so Father's Day is always on a Thursday. So it becomes this extended long weekend of – I don't want to say debauchery, but it's definitely a good time. Uh, <laughs> we got there on um, Wednesday. And we took a boat. We, we, we took a boat from the the, the Wurters. So Z is a name for lake in, in German. So the Wurter Z has multiple sides. We were on one side. The town of oh, I think it's Reifnitz is is the the town in Austria that actually has it's on lake. It's on Wurter Z, and that's where the festival takes place. But there's no way to drive there because so many Volkswagen people are are headed that way. So we took a uh, like a motorboat across the lake to get there. And I got there around 11:30 in the morning. And it was already, you could see miles of cars just backed up trying to get into town. But, you know, no one's freaking out. It's 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 cool. Everyone's just hanging out, inching forward in the cars. It, it's hard to walk because not just because of the cars, because of the people. There's Everybody's there. And uh, they're doing crazy stuff. There's like 
I saw guys playing soccer on motorcycles where so the, the, the were, yeah, it was, it was, they had this, like, it was kind of like a, an arena, like a Thunderdome kind of thing. Right. And, uh, the teams were human goalie and then two, <laughs> two forwards on motorcycles for each team. I don't know what kind of person gets into an arena and says, you know what? I'm cool with everyone else being on a motorcycle. <laughs> Did the goalies have helmets too? kind of like okay kind of like those you know those old school leather helmets like people used to play football with in the 20s it was kind of mm. like that and 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 the, the guys would trap the soccer balls against the the motorcycle and like spin the wheel around and like try to rocket it in the i saw a guy score a goal it's pretty impressive but yeah i mean you got to be pretty brave to be that goalie. Yeah, i don't know what they were thinking but so th- that was going on and there was all sorts of cool cars everywhere not just gti's but Old school Volkswagens. I saw an Audi 50. I've never seen one of those in my life. I saw a whole bunch of really cool old Passat hatchbacks. Nice. Um, all, modded cars of every persuasion. Ridiculous show cars. A whole bunch of rat rods. Um, it was really? just. It, it's a very grassroots feel. Right. It just feels like a fest. It feels like a like a music festival instead of music. There's cars. Yeah, yeah, and, and from what I understand, there used to be a really big corporate element to it, where Volkswagen, uh-huh. and Audi, Skoda, Seat, all they they all got together, and I think maybe like I don't know when it peaked, but at a certain point, the the companies were there in force, and then the 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 organizers were like, hey, maybe you should back off a little bit. You know, this is a it's a grassroots thing for real, and you're kind of harshing our mellow. So Volkswagen <laughs> was the only one there. They had a they had a little pavilion. It was cool, but it wasn't. You know, it was right when you came into the festival, and they literally take over the entire town. Like you walk through the whole town, and it's just it's just wall to wall Volkswagens. And I'm not a big Volkswagen fan. I'm not. Um, I, I appreciate them, but I'm not. I was with some people who were, and it was just the the. It was infectious being around these people and seeing how passionate they were for these cars. And it was cool to see some of the older models I'd never seen before. And um, I also got to drive some neat cars when I was there, too. All right. So um, what did you drive? What was it like? Well, uh, to get there, we drove through the Austrian Alps. And one of our – it was a very – we were a small group of uh, four people. And um, one of us had planned out a route that included some Autobahn stuff, which is awesome because, you know, no speed limits. And some two-lane stuff, which is great because twisty Austrian mountain roads. And on the way there, I drove a GTI, a three-door GTI, and a Volkswagen Golf R variant, which is their word for for wagon. Like, it's not like these cars are completely different than what we get over here in North America. I mean, we get a four-door GTI, and we get a... We just get a normal hatchback Golf R. Yeah, I think it's a... The difference for the Golf R is just a little bit of weight because Mm -hmm. of the extra glass. But uh, no, they're, they're they're not that different. Um, but they're they're a lot of fun. We were hitting, uh, I guess, 250 kilometers an hour on wow. the on the autobahn, and in in American miles, that's that's not 400. Let's let's do that again. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you were looking it up. You were yeah. you're doing the tra- you're doing the conversion. 100, oh, 156 miles an hour. That's pretty impressive for a, for a little hatchback or uh, compact. Yeah, I, I also got to drive the uh, the GTE. Which Whoa. is yeah what? the Golf GTE, which is essentially an Audi e-tron uh, in golf form. And, Wait, uh, is that it? That's all. That's the way. That's the easiest way to describe it. It's not. I thought it would be a little bit more sportier than the e-tron would be. Well, I mean, how sporty do you need it to be? It's got uh, over 200 horsepower and about 258 pound-feet of torque uh, from a 1.4 liter turbocharged four-cylinder combined with an electric motor. That is. That sounds pretty cool. I want to hear a little bit more about that, if you don't mind sharing your your experience there. Uh, well, you know, 
it was fun to drive. It's heavier than a GTI by about 300, maybe 400 pounds, depending on because okay. uh, the G, it has a DSG. So if you if you had like a like a manual transmission GTI, you're probably looking at a 400 pound difference. Um, wow. Maybe not that much, but it, it's in that ballpark. You feel the weight, uh, but the car doesn't feel ponderous, and it was fun to drive. Like I said, the acceleration is good. It's about a, a second and a half slower to 60 than a GTI. Uh, the only issue is you can run out of power because when the battery's dead, you drop down to the 150 horsepower four cylinder. Ooh, okay, I understand. That's uh, that's kind of. Um... And there's no like backup way to generate power through the engine the way. Oh like, no, you definitely uh, can. Pull, 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 pull. It has it has a battery mode. It has a, a GTE button, which is what you push if you want to have fun. Uh, but it also has like an EV mode that works on the highway. We were using it at like, 120 kilometers an hour, so like 70, 80 miles, no problem. I always we... aspire to have a car that has a button that is named after the car. <laughs> like, oh, it was not the GTE before pressing this button. It was just something else. But, you know, I've always it, – it's it's funny because it makes me think of – what was the E39 M5? Didn't that have the M button? Yeah, it had M buttons. I think it had M buttons on the steering wheel, right? Well, what bothers me about that is I want it to be the M button when I get in the car and turn it on. I agree with you completely. Same with sport buttons. I find that ridiculous. I'm like, That's... I'm in a sports car. I need to have it. It should already be in the sport button. Put it. Put. There should be a dull button. There should be a boring button. That See what I be... like. What I like about so this week I'm driving the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, Ooh. and what I like about that car is it has a dial on the dash. Uh, sorry, on the center console for the DNA modes, which is, you know, Italian for stuff. And if, <laughs> whichever one you leave it in, if you, you leave sure it in... Are you sure it's not for uh, the nucleic acid that... Uh, the, what is it? Deribonucleic acid? That, I, I, uh, I'm not going to lie, Sammy. There have been some changes to my body over this week, and I can't... <laughs> pin, because you've been pin, touching the dial? I've been touching the dial with every part of me. <laughs> and uh, it's it's had an effect. But, but back to my point about the dial is if you leave the dial in dynamic it stays in dynamic when you turn okay, it on. Okay, so it's like a, it's like a it's like a hard dial. It's like an analog it's dial. A super hard dial. Uh, stupid thing for me to say. <laughs> it's like a it's like an analog dial instead of like a digital dial that would be like just attached to a computer so that every time you turn it on you have to turn all those buttons, all those and dials again. Exactly. And the only mode it won't stay in is race, which oh, I understand. I why? Because well, to get to race, you have to turn past dynamic. It's not actually a setting, and there's like a click, and then it happens. So I can understand it not wanting to, because you wouldn't want to necessarily start the car and race. I mean, I would, <laughs> but, okay. but uh, we could talk more about the Alpha later because I have some things I want to say about it. All but right. uh, the one of the other cars, just to, to round out, were to see was Werther Z. I'm saying it's so right. To all of our Austrian listeners, I'm sorry that I'm butchering the language I, of your people. It does sound like you've learned a lot of Austria, uh, a lot about Austria and Germany. Well, you uh, have no choice. Germany. You have no choice because you're kind of on your own. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but uh, the, one of the other cars I got to drive, which I'd never expected, was the Golf Rally. Uh, from the, or the you're gonna rally golf. Explain, you're going to have to explain that a little bit. What's the so, golf rally? So back in the 80s, Volkswagen was involved in rally racing, and they made a, to, to homologate a car, they they made a, a rally version of the golf that had like big boxy fenders and a turbo engine and, and whatnot. Um, and they made 12 special versions of the car that had 200 horsepower. And uh, they were using a, I think it was a. 200 uh, horsepower back in the 80s it was quite a, it's quite a punchy amount of power there yeah the regular so the regular golf rallies had uh, eight valve engines but these ones had either 12 or 16 i can't remember i want to it's probably 12 um anyway they only made 12 of the cars period 
and Volkswagen had one for us to to drive. It, it was kind wow. of funny. Well, here's the amusing part is they had a big paddock filled with cars and you could sign them out and drive them around. But we could never get into the the, the rally golf. It was always signed out. It was always signed mm-hmm. out. And we even tried to get into it the next day. And they're like, no, sorry, it's booked all day tomorrow. So we're kind of bummed. Um, and then uh, after dinner, myself and uh, my two colleagues who were super excited to drive this car because they're big Volkswagen fans, we're talking – we walk by the paddock and the, the people with the keys are still there. And my friend goes up and was like, well, c- can we still drive the car? And they're like – yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? It's like 9.30 at night. <laughs> okay. And uh, my friend's like, well, I don't have my driver's license on me. And they're like, that is not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That's the first time I've ever heard uh, we, that, that sort of uh, phrase in, in in Germany. That's crazy. There were three in of Europe. us. There were three of us and one – and I was the only one with my wallet. And <laughs> we they're like, that's cool. Signed this paper, and we signed the paper, and we were out of there. And um, we spent the next two hours driving around in the dark in 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 Austria in this rally golf, which was pretty cool. It was it was a pretty neat car. I mean, for, for it was a an '89 or an '87, I can't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but for that era, and for three dudes driving in it, like you know, 600 pounds of weight, it was it was a fun little car. So it was unexpected. It's something I'll probably never do again. I, I don't even know if I'll see one of these cars again because I mean, they're rare as hen's teeth and. Forget I haven't them. even heard of them before, and I don't even know if they I, they would be in like museums other than like Volkswagen's own heritage sort of museums, would they? It's it's entirely possible. I mean, especially yeah, one of twelve, you know. But uh, so that that was my that was my trip to Austria, and it was it was fun to be on the autobahn, uh, do the unrestricted stuff. But there's also speed cameras, and I live in like constant fear that somewhere I've broken a, a, a crazy law in a terrible way, uh, and I just don't know it yet. I'm waiting for that that email. Right. Um, were there a lot of, um, so I, you know, I get that this is a, a, an Austrian and German thing. Were there anybody, was there anybody from like other parts of the world that you, you saw that was kind of interesting? Oh yeah. There were cars, there were cars from everywhere. Um, every, every bordering country you can imagine. And even cars from like England, uh, were showing up. Yeah. There was, there were a lot of different plates. I didn't, there there were some cars from the U.S., but they were brought with Volkswagen. Like Volkswagen had partnered with owners in the states to bring them over. I don't know if anyone actually came over on their own. It's possible, though. I mean, two two hundred thousand people, I think. So were diesels allowed? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> so wandering the streets is you're you're just constantly being fumigated <laughs> by by hydrocarbons. No, because oh. it's you know what old cars smell like. I yeah. mean, it it was like that all the time. Yes. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's a really neat experience, and I'm glad that um, you ch- you got to see that. And I, from what I what we talked about uh, earlier, there seems to be a lot of really unique vehicles. I believe I, I heard you talking about a leather wrapped car and uh, another one with like uh, a leopard, like a really well done like leopard spray paint on the. Oh yeah, the totally hood. well done. It's like in the world of classy leopards, this is the. <laughs> This is the magnum opus of classy leopard. Don't mock me. I think it's a very good looking. It's a very well done piece of art, but it's on the, the hood of a of an old golf. Where would you rather have the leopard, Sam? I don't Where know. Like, uh, somewhere I could hang in my house, maybe. I don't what know. if you had a marble bathroom floor? Would yes. you put that leopard on the marble bathroom floor? And then, like when you had guests, you'd be like, "Don't step on the leopard." Yeah, that sounds like me, I suppose. But yeah, like it was it was a really well done piece of art and artwork, and I was like, "Cool, they put it on their car." You're a very generous man to call that art. And the other thing that was weird was the that weird like half cage. So I I saw this photo of a of a rear window of a vehicle, 
and it was the window was rolled up halfway and the rest of the gap was filled in by by a fence by like this tiny little fence that people yeah, like a child in. like a child fence like you put at the top of a staircase so a kid yeah. doesn't take a tumble yeah so they put that in their cars as well and i like your your hypothesis was that it was to stop dogs from barking at other to sticking their heads out the window well i thought it was so you could leave a dog in a car with the windows down and it won't jump out or people won't smash the window. And yeah, and yeah. I don't know if that's what it is. I saw it on several cars. I didn't see any dogs. So I don't know why my mind... <laughs> I don't know why my mind went there, but it, it's the only logical thing. The car well ventilated um, and not let people open the open unlock the door. I don't but know. But no, because if you look on the sides, there's enough room to put your hand in on the side. Like <laughs> if you were a dog, you probably couldn't squeeze through there. If you were a cat, you could... Yeah, but, but so you have not, to know what to do. Yeah, and no one takes, you know, I mean, cats. The cat's probably driving anyway, so it's <laughs> the cat's cool. That's really cool. That's a really that's a really neat experience, and uh, I'm glad that you uh, that you experienced that and, and you wrote about that. That's super cool. Um, I did a weird trip across Canada, which was really tiring and is really just a blur now uh, with Mercedes. And then after that, I went to uh, Spain to drive a new Volvo. Would you like to hear about that? I'd like to hear about the Volvo part. Yes. For some reason, not very many people are interested about hearing uh, what it's like to travel across Canada, mainly because they must think that the Great White North is, uh, or the Great North, what do, what do we call it? What do they call it? The True I, North Strong and Free? I think driving across Canada is cool. I think what you did is harder to describe. <laughs> I drove in I drove in every province and every capital city, um, but I didn't drive through the country. I, uh, I drove through various parts of the country, but other parts are, are so vast that we had to take a flight. And then, uh, when we landed, we would take, a, uh, there would be some cars waiting for us. And I, I don't think it's cause the country is so vast. I think it's cause they just didn't want the cars to smell like Cheetos at the end. That's true. Um, I mean, your really car cool. smelled like Cheetos anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, I have a thing for Cheetos. Um, it, it was a really cool event, that uh, Mercedes thing, and uh, you know what? It was the hardest thing I've ever had to pack for because uh, the east and west sides of the country are very different. Um, when we landed in Newfoundland, it was uh, very, very cold, about one or two degrees Celsius, and it was snowing. And when we finished the, the event in, in uh, Victoria on the west coast in British Columbia, it was like 22 degrees, 23 degrees. It was like summer weather. Um, and then it snowed again halfway through the trip in Calgary. So as close as it gets to summer weather in Canada, you mean? <laughs> yes, I suppose. Other than like in Toronto, Montreal, when it's like 30 or 35. But uh, the Volvo trip was really cool. Let's talk about the Volvo because uh, I drove a brand new XC60, which is their new uh, crossover. And now they reminded us plenty of times that they didn't just take the really successful and really popular XC90 uh, and shrunk it down. Why would the they do? Why would you do that? Why would you take a very good car and then make another version of that very good car? That seems crazy. I mean, I was really disappointed that that's the way they 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 were like. Now, don't think this is just a smaller XC90. And I was like, you should probably tell people it's a smaller XC90 if you want them to <laughs> like your car. <laughs> um, but what it does have, it shares uh, the same you know sort of scalable um, architecture that is used in that vehicle. And it also has pretty much the same engine options and powertrain. So that means the T5 and T6 engines, which is a uh, turbocharged four-cylinder in the T5 and the turbocharged and supercharged engine that is in the T6. Uh, and there's also the turbocharged, supercharged four-cylinder engine and uh, hybrid setup, uh, plug-in hybrid setup that's in the T8. Now, before you ask me, I have no idea where the T7 went to. 
Um, but they just seven is not welcome at the Volvo party. (laughs) I was thinking that they just only want one prime number. I think that I think I think uh, I think uh, uh, 20th Century Fox or whoever has uh, uh, copyrighted T7 for a Terminator sequel that was never made. And now no one no one can no one can use T7 anymore. Well, I mean, whenever when I whenever I say that, really, uh, really uh, well versed Volvo fans point out that back in the day, the T5 was the was the five cylinder model, and the T6 was the six cylinder model, and the I suppose the T8 was an eight cylinder model. I don't know. They so don't. where's the no? There were there were no Volvo V8s except for the uh, S80, and I don't think that was a Volvo derived engine. I, Although I it might have been a XC. I thought the old XC90 had a had a V8 as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. This is that was the same engine as the S80. That might have been built by Volvo and then uh, pirated by Ford or, or yeah, vice versa. Or the other way around. But anyway, um, so I know what we're I know we're now we're we're going way off. Well, why not a seven cylinder engine? Yeah, why not? I mean, if they make a, t- a, t- a five a five cylinder. Simply adding two more to the line should be should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, no, I agree. It's time. It's it's an idea whose time has come. Why why can't uh, I want some boutique automaker to step up and do it, like Spiker or something, to come out with like a a seven. I mean, they're a V14 or something like that. It's just two straight sevens. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I like that idea. Um, now Volvo makes some really, really attractive vehicles. I mean, their exterior design has has really, um, it's, in my opinion, the exterior design of the new Volvos is really um, unique. It stands out. These cars do not look like, you know, the GLC, the new Mercedes GLC. It looks like an Audi Q5 at, at certain angles. And well, so many thing. SUVs are kind of that similar blob-like shape of metal and plastic these days. And the Volvos don't have that blob-like shape. They they seem very happy to have these. You know, it's it's a boxy shape, but it's very attractive at the same time. Um, but really, what makes Volvo stand out is a really clean interior design. Um, there's no excessive amount of buttons. Um, everything is really well placed. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is some excessive buttons, but they're on that screen. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that screen. Um, we've complained about the the way the infotainment system worked in the past. It had a lot of small, you know, sort of touch buttons, and there was a lot of gestures. And certain um, commands that you really needed close to you were, like, hidden. Uh, they've revised it a little bit um, in, the T, in, in the XC60, and it's a little bit easier to use. Uh, it's not 100% or like a perfect system yet, but it's become a slightly, slightly better. Uh, slightly a, better. I think that's a win. I mean, it shows that the company is really eager to, you know, to adjust their their infotainment systems. Come on, man. How long did it take for for Ford to make my Ford Touch uh, anything usable? After all the time we spent complaining about it, I mean, uh, I didn't have as big of a problem with my Ford Touch as some people did. Okay, or Q. I mean, has Q even gotten better? No. Nah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So the other thing, though, about Volvo is that they really, really focus on safety. This is the company that patented the three-point um, seatbelt. Well, I mean, they might have patented it, but they, they, they released they the gave, patent so everyone They released it. it. They released it so everyone can use it. And while there's been a lot of innovations in, in seatbelt uh, technology, you know, people should really be crediting Volvo for making that so widespread. This car as well comes with a ton of uh, interesting safety features, but they don't seem as like they don't seem as game changing as maybe like what we're really looking forward to in the future, or what we're looking forward to seeing in the future, which is semi-autonomous or autonomous driving. Well, that's because I mean it's a really good point, and uh, the the whole reason Volvo has had to move away from safety. I mean, it, everyone caught up. 
tech, the problem with technology is that it democratizes very quickly. So you end up uh, something that was once the exclusive province of your company because you dumped a ton of research and development dollars into it is now something that anyone could get manufactured almost anywhere because the technology is well understood and it travels easily. So Volvo had to back away from safety being their only thing, and that's why they've kind of embraced design with these new uh, easy-on-the-eyes vehicles. It's not enough to say, oh, this car will keep you safe, because they all keep you safe now. It's really hard to think of a stupendously dangerous car, other than other than maybe full-size trucks, which are not really great when it comes to crash testing. Well, the automaker, I mean, Volvo has said, and they've come out and said this, they planned that in 2020 or past 2020, I suppose, it can't just be for one year, they, they want nobody to get seriously injured, die or seriously injured in a Volvo um, vehicle or an accident involving a Volvo vehicle. That's their game plan. Um, Do you think and, that the number of cars they sell or don't sell is going to help them or hinder them in that in that game plan? Um, I really, I, I think the number of cars that they sell will help with that game plan for sure. I mean, if you're Ford and you're selling 700,000 F-Series trucks a year... Uh, somebody's versus, gonna die just by accident. Like someone's gonna have like yeah, someone's gonna open a door to someone's head and it's gonna <laughs> yeah. it's gonna knock them unconscious and they're gonna go into a coma and then they'll die and there'll be an, you know. But if you're Volvo and you're selling, I don't know how many they're selling every year, <laughs> like, like six thousand cars. But um, it, it seems like a more a, a more achievable goal and it's good to have achievable <laughs> goals. I think. I mean, not to mock them, but y- you have to wonder too. Is it are, are they? courting fate by saying stuff like that is like is that I a know, risky it thing? does seem yeah it does it does seem risky is it like a final volvo... destination style movie <laughs> conclusion to like this volvo executive statement yeah can you imagine that would be the whole maybe the maybe movies in sweden in the future will be about volvo people in volvo's dying and them going <gasps> i can't believe that happened so volvo sold eighty-two thousand vehicles in the u.s last year yeah that's and pretty in, decent for in, a small automaker well in 2000 they sold 123,000. That was a. They had a wider variety of cars back then. So, what do you think is going to happen? Lineup. I mean, what do you think Volvo is going to be able to recapture that past sales glory, or do you think they're on a different path now? Or what's the deal? But what does Volvo need to do? Okay, so one 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 quick moment here. Let's talk about Volvo. They are going to bring new cars to the market. They have had a very stale mar- uh, lineup in the past. Uh, in the past couple of years, actually, um, the XC90 was the first like all new vehicle in such a long time. And then the S90 and V90 came, although those came in segments that are really like already, like they're dying. Those segments, nobody's buying huge, like huge cars anymore. And they're definitely not buying big station wagons either. Um, the XC60 seems like it'll hit the, the market where Volvo needs to be. That's a really mid-sized, uh, almost compact crossover and uh, competes with the likes of the BMW X3. I mean, X5, yes, BMW X3 and the, Audi Q5, and the new Mercedes GLC, all solid vehicles that are very popular with luxury car buyers. Um, But what they're going to do next, which is a little bit different than what I thought they were going to do next, is they're going to make a smaller crossover, the XC40. Um, Now, I thought they were actually going to make their new sedans and wagons based on this XC60. They'd make new S60s and V60s. But instead, they're going to go one more SUV. It's going to be a smaller one, something that will go up against uh, the X, the BMW X1, the Audi Q3, and the Mercedes uh, GLA. Um, and that sounds like a good idea, but I don't know if it'll really bring people to the brand in the way that you know other cars can generate excitement. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, and I think I think the answer for Volvo is very clear. I think that at this point, they need to be looking far future, long term. 
I think they need to look past the U.S. market, past the Canadian market, and maybe reach out to the lunar market or the Mars market and beat Tesla to both of those markets and then establish a beachhead so that when humanity finally reaches out past the orbit of the Earth, past our atmosphere, and begins to colonize the solar system, Volvo will be waiting for them. That's a really, that's a huge ask for, first of all, that's insane. But second of all, Audi is already going to the moon and Tesla's, and Elon Musk is always already going to them. Exactly. To Mars. So they need so, to steal the thunder of these big competitors of theirs, especially Audi, and get there first. <laughs> we don't know what happens in Scandinavia. It's it's a semi-closed society up, up in Sweden, you know? It, I'm worried. I don't know. Tesla has all of this government money that they've been hoarding yes, to, but, to allow them to get up there. And Volkswagen has been, has been funneling money into and porsche has been funneling money into audi no problem but volvo but has volvo deep, doesn't have that they have doesn't deep have those chinese backers who have huge resources at their disposal don't i don't forgot think, about geely that's true. yeah so all that you know what if the chinese government says you know what let's get to mars first and let's use volvo to do it <laughs> that's you know what i think they should uh but Will that really help sell cars that's the real that's the really important does thing. it really matter if they're on mars they've already won <laughs> they I think it matters. Safest cars so on Mars. Bam. There's your Mars. there's your campaign. I was thinking that they uh, I was thinking more short term and I was wondering if they, you know, they need something to build excitement within the brand. And I mean, they can't they're not doing a Mercedes, you know, AMG or BMW like same with those sports car and they definitely don't have the name of like Audi Quattro, right? Like everyone recognizes those three brands for doing something really special in particular. Like Volvo has to do something crazy. I think they should they should sell a monster truck to the people. That's what I was thinking. A monster truck on Mars. A monster truck on Mars. That'd be perfect. Yep, nailed it. Um, I think we're going to get a call from Volvo asking us uh, for more details on this. Or the, from The lines Geely. are lighting up. Yeah. Nope, they're not. Um, <laughs> or from Geely, who will threaten to sue us for taking their idea, obviously. It's a good idea. I think they should take our idea and do... I freely give this idea to Geely and Volvo. C- begin your do... conquest of the stars now. Well, first of all, I trust them because, you know, Volvo is such a safety conscious and no fatality conscious automaker that if we I I will take the first pilot trip that they made. There is no bloodless conquest of the stars, man. There there is, you know, the stars are red in tooth and claw. There's got to be something you're going to have to make sacrifices. Uh, I am worried. I mean, what happens if we show up there, you know, the good old red planet of I think it's called Bartum in some parts of the world. Um, And... uh, (laughs) What are you laughing at? And what happens if there's the there's the the Martians are already there with their many limbs and their you know their technology, and we have to take care of them. Does Volvo that's why you to... that's why you send Clone Sammy first. I don't know. I don't trust Clone Sammy. No yet. one trusts He's Clone been... Sammy, but you gotta do it. You gotta let him go. He's been letting me down lately. Like he's like slacking on his chores around the house. How's well, the you don't properly motivate. What's your motivation? An hour of daylight a day? That's not enough. Yeah, he gets to do the fun things that Sammy gets to do, and that's uh, that's going. And well, he doesn't do the podcast, that's for sure. Well, I don't know that he doesn't. No, I can tell you. I can tell you this isn't clone Sammy. This is real Sammy. All right, that's exactly what clone Sammy would say. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen here. Maybe maybe clone Ben is getting real paranoid about his place in the universe. Clone Ben will never see the light of day. But uh, I do have an idea for, this is totally unrelated, for a cool video game 
that's uh, related to cars. Because what was the game that you showed me today? There's oh, a new right. trailer. Yes, today they showed a new trailer of a Need for Speed game. A Need for Speed is a is a once popular franchise that has <laughs> <laughs> died on the that has really dried up on the vein uh, on the on the branch lately. It's really been a little. It's been a hard go for Need for Speed. Well, it, it's tough, right? Like, I mean, you know, companies like EA Sports have it easy every year. They make the same game. They make the same game with different rosters. And they add something you didn't want them to add. Like, you can do something with the the control stick now that is totally confusing. Just so uh, that they could remove that feature next time. Yeah, the fumble stick or something. Like, it's like, oh, if you don't... Anyway, whatever. But uh, if you're a video game company making a car game, what are you going to do? Like... You can only make it so realistic. There's like like Forza and Gran Turismo have kind of cornered the console realism thing. Um, you can make a crazy arcade game. That's yeah, just that's like what that's what I'm always hoping for. Yeah, you know, you like you drive like Burnout or something where you're doing yeah. wild stuff, crazy taxi, or you can do like Need for Speed, which was kind of caught in between those two worlds, where they mm. they had realistic looking cars, but they also had like arcade like gameplay. And I think that was fun for people who went to arcades and they played, like, California, uh, was it Cruisin'? Um, uh, there was Cruisin' USA, and there was uh, OutRun. Remember OutRun? Well, OutRun's a classic, for sure. OutRun's but it, amazing. But, you know, when you get home, what were you going to need for speed and the police chase you, and then next year do you buy the same game? I, I don't know. Yeah. So they naturally did the most the most obvious thing, is they started to introduce a storyline to it. Oh, like a GTA no storyline, right? That makes literally no sense. It's not even like a GTA storyline. The GTA storyline is about like people getting involved in the wrong thing. This just like is just about jerks driving cars. <laughs> I remember you showed me the trailer, and what I remember most from the trailer is a whole bunch of people saying stuff like "We run these streets," and then there was an eighteen wheeler that kept slamming into a car over and over. It was like you know I don't know if you you were a fan of Jackie Chan movies in the eighties. But yeah. they, he used to have, uh, like, one really big stunt per movie, and they would film that stunt from, like, 12 angles, and then they, and they would, would show yeah. it. It would show it, like, seven times, like, yeah, over I know and over. exactly that. It's and so best. this is, like, the same thing, but it's a video game where it costs them nothing to move these sprites, <laughs> and they just kept showing the same car accident over and over. So it got me thinking, maybe there's a market for crash test video games, and not, like, a crash test game where you just drive a car into a wall, but something that's a little... <laughs> Maybe a little creepier, where you. you, you <laughs> I like that. Is that on the market? Is that on the? Is that on the? That's right there on the top of the box, right? Like uh, yeah, a little like bit more creepier than cre- just driving into a wall. Get ready for interacting with the crash test dummies, because this game's all about. You know, they. It, I I don't really know, but I assume that when they test some things, <laughs> in in a, in that situation, they don't wreck cars over and over. Like if they're testing a seat, they test the seat itself. And I've seen these rocket sled things where basically it's like a slingshot or a catapult where they put the seat and they put the dummy on the seat and then they slam it into a wall and they see how how the seat reacts and how the dummy reacts. So I think a video game version of that would be awesome where there's only one button and that button is launch. <laughs> and once you've got the, the, the dummy placed in the, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like a human being or anything. It's not a gory game. It's like, you know, the gray dummy with like the, the yellow tape on it. Mm-hmm. And it, you push launch and it slams in the wall and like the dummy limbs fly around. And there's, you know, there's no blood. It's, it's, it's very clean. Um, and, and you, you, that's the game. <laughs> and that's, it's like, it's like this trailer for Need for Speed where that truck just keeps hitting the car over and over. You just yeah. keep slamming those dummies into the wall. And, and here's how it makes money. 
um, a lot of games have these microtransactions these days where if you want to keep playing or you want to buy like a sword or like a jewel or something, you, you pay like 25 cents or 50 yeah. cents. So or in if this you want game, to skip a level. In this game, if you want to change seats, you, you, you pay a certain amount. If you, want to, if you want to crash a minivan full of like seven, seven dummies, you can do that. Or if you want to like put a baby seat in. Oh, yeah. Like the ultimate primo is like the, the tiny little toddler dummy. Yeah. Um, and, and you see how the baby seat reacts. It's like that's, that's gold. I mean, Geely, you cannot have that idea. That's, yeah, that's yours, eh? Um, can I tell you that uh, there was a game on Crash Test Dummies back in the – I don't know if you remember back in the 90s there was these toys called The Incredible – we're, Crash we're, test dummies? We're well beyond toys, Sammy. <laughs> okay. Well, this was a video game based. It was for Super Nintendo or NES. I remember this thing. I remember like renting it when I was a kid. And it uh I can't remember it being good or bad. And I remember it being I don't remember it being anything like what you described, but I remember it involving crash test dummies as the heroes. And it was very weird. I remember the video games and the, I mean not the video games, the toys. And I think if you pressed a button on the toy, all their limbs would like blow up. <laughs> There are no heroes in my game. Oh, okay. Just well, safety. It just teaches you about safety and ergonomics. And ergonomics, yes. Yeah. And uh, and what the what crash forces are all about and crumple zones. No, no, no. There's no crumple zones because it's not really a car. Oh, it's just it's just it's just a sled. It's just a sled. It's the 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 only <laughs> limits in this game are the limits of the endurance of the human body in dummy form. <laughs> Amazing. Um. What else is going on, Ben? You're driving a new car that you just mentioned that you mentioned earlier on. Yeah, I'm uh, driving a pretty ridiculous car. Uh, it's first the, of all, this is the this is an Alfa Romeo. Did I it hear is, that right? It's an Alfa Romeo sedan. It's the Julia sedan. We've all been waiting for this car forever. Uh, we, we've had the the eight C and the four C, but this is the first uh, normal person's car, I guess you could you could say. Except this is the not normal version of the normal person's car. You can get a uh, a regular Julia that's aimed at the 3 Series, the Audi A4. But this car, it's like what 500 horsepower. It aims for. Did it aim for the moon and it did aim for the stars and landed on the moon? What happened there? Wow, I, uh, that's wow. I that's you know I, never in all my ponderings of crash test dummies had I thought of such a poetic phrase to <laughs> describe the Alfa Romeo Julia Quadrifoglio. Um, yeah, it's it's roughly 500 horsepower from from my memory. It's it's turbocharged car. I believe it's a turbo V6, and it is like the on off switch of performance. Um, it is a twitchy car oh. that I am not entirely comfortable driving. That's really interesting. It's um, uh, I, the reason I say it's interesting is because you have a you yourself have a 500 horsepower uh, sedan. No, 400 but, horsepower. Oh, it's my mistake. It's 400 horsepower. That your CTSV. Yes. And uh, it's. I imagine your I imagine your seat I haven't driven in it or seen it on the road but I imagine you set it up for the track and it might have, must have some stiff suspension too right and it no, be I, twitch, the, you know? the car the car suspension is stock except for the sway bars uh, I didn't okay. want to but uh, I did drive it back to back with the alpha this week because I, I had to take the Cadillac somewhere to get some body work done and um, I spent uh, two hours behind the wheel of each car <laughs> and what's crazy is how much stiffer the alpha is. It just wow. the modern platform, it's it's ridiculous how stiff the car is. It's it's is that stiff in a good way or stiff in a bad way? I mean, it's good for performance, that's for sure. Uh, the steering is also interesting to compare because the Cadillac has hydraulic steering, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's got a track alignment on it, so it it follows the road, it follows the grooves. It's 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 set up to turn in very quickly. Um, the Alpha obviously has a standard alignment, and it's electric, so 
it, all the force that you're feeling in the in the wheel is artificial. It's artificial feedback, but it's still the communication is decent. Um, but what I really want to talk about with this car, I think it looks great. It's a very attractive vehicle, but mm-hmm. there's a few weird things about it. The first is the the, the power band. You step on the gas and it goes nothing, 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 500 horsepower, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> and you're holding onto the wheel and like it's spinning out of control, and you slam into a bus stop and you take out a whole family of people. No, I think what happens instead is that you hit this 18 wheeler, and then it just that that entire sequence <laughs> repeats itself several times. It's entirely possible that I am the 18 wheeler in that Need for Speed trailer. <laughs> Um, but uh, it's just but turbo lag. Like, what's the story here? It's it's just very peaky. It's okay. it's like all the power happens at once after like four thousand RPM, and then you only have like two thousand RPM before you have to shift. And I remember I was talking about those drive modes before. So if you leave the car in dynamic and um, just shift it yourself, it's pretty manageable. But if you go into race mode, everything happens a little bit quicker. But mm-hmm. the reason I, I mention race mode so much is because the, the car is very quiet. If, if you're in dynamic mode, which is the one just below race mode, and you step on the gas, you don't really hear anything until you get fairly high in the rev range. And then if it shifts, you get a little blad out the back. And it's it's decent, mm-hmm. but it's not like an F-Type or a Porsche with sport exhaust where every shift is an experience. Unless you go into race mode. Once you're in race mode, you get the full sport exhaust. It's loud all the time. Upshifts, downshifts sound crazy, and it's perfect. Except for the minor fact that when you're in race mode, every safety feature is turned off. <laughs> there's no traction control. There's no stability control. When I was handed the keys to the car, the gentleman said to me, driving this car on cold tires is like driving a Mustang GT in an inch of snow. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. Okay, um, holy cow. So I don't trust race mode. If you floor it in that mode, you will spin the tires, the car will go sideways every single time. And the the paradox for me is I only want to hear the exhaust. I just want to hear that awesome sound. But to do that, I have to put everyone's life in danger. <laughs> and is it worth it? Well, I mean, if <laughs> from an actuarial standpoint, no, it's not. But for me, it's the only way I enjoy the car. If I put it back into dynamic, I'm driving it and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much just as fast. But it's I'm not getting that visceral experience. And what I'm really saying is, why the hell is there not a sport exhaust button? Why isn't that there? Why do I have to go full crazy just to hear the sport exhaust? That's true. It's, it's maddening. I don't understand. It, you know what, though, Ben? It is my favorite thing. Every every podcast we go to, you just rag on a car until it makes a good noise for you. And then you're <laughs> like, this is the best car ever. It's a $90,000 car. Whoa. It should, okay. like in Canada, I guess it's like, what, 80 in the States? It should cool, do what I want it to do. It should sound how I want it to want it. Um, I should at least have that option. Or here's something else that would be nice. How about the ability to turn traction control back on once I'm in race mode? Because and there's no you can't do that. There's no traction control button in the car. <laughs> <laughs> there's one dial, and yeah. that dial goes from okay, things are fine to crazy town. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. You, that's that is uh, that is kind of, that's interesting. It's like uh, how do you just how do you even like rationalize that they're like oh you know people are gonna people are gonna enjoy driving this car but what happens if we want them to really hear it well 
<laughs> but so make that make sure it's the last thing they hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's very accurate. And it's weird because you know, I bet if it was on I haven't taken it on a racetrack. It's been very rainy this week, which has also contributed to my fear of race mode. But um I bet you want to track the peaky power man works really well because once the power kicks in, it's it's stunning. It's very very fast. But uh, around town like it's it's spooky like it just happens you know it's it catches you off guard and it's hard to shift quickly manually but another thing i do like is if you're in race mode on the dashboard you lose instead of having the speedometer um i'll get to that later it just says there's a message that pops up that says for best results in race mode use manual shifting mode which is cool but uh if the the dashboard itself is extremely limited It, it shows you either the trip the speedometer or I think the phone, and that's Either? it. Either one of those, only one. I, of those only things. one of those things. And what? if you shift, if you shift into race mode, you only get gear. It tells you what gear you're <laughs> in, gear and then it flashes the sides yellow when it's time to shift, which means they're almost always flashing. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. a, it's a, it's a unique car. Um, that sounds like quite the experience. Yeah, it's it's got some weird. Uh, there have been a lot of complaints about reliability of this car. A lot of other journalists who've had the Giulia Quadrifoglio have had crazy problems with it, with features just failing, or the car itself going into safe mode over and over. I haven't experienced anything like that. I have come to the conclusion that the implementation of its bright headlights is confusing. It has a, it's supposed to have auto-dim. Um, it's really hard to... Uh, there's it, Unless you go into several menus mm-hmm. and... Uh, turn off the auto dim. You cannot have bright headlights manually unless you mean you're holding... the automatic, the automatic leveling, like automatic high beams. Yes. Okay. Y- y- unless you hold the lights on, you can't control when they come on. Well, that sounds like the... a difficult way to drive the car, especially yeah. a fast, powerful car that's, according to when you drive it, a twitchy monster. So it, there's just <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff like that. There's some weird stuff in the uh, in the infotainment system that's a little bit slow. It feels it feels kind of like Alpha's reinventing the wheel a few times, um, which is a little weird given that FCA has a lot of off-the-shelf componentry that they could have just thrown in this car and, and improved it. Oh. But it, it's a neat car. I think it looks great. It gets a lot of attention. I don't know if – I don't think I want it because I'm a little – I'm intimidated by the car. Okay. Uh, it does but, sound like a lot of power. Is there going to be – now, I don't know my – I'm. I'm going to embarrass myself and say that I don't know the other engine options in this vehicle except for I think a two-liter four-cylinder in the very basic range, and I don't think I want that. Is there something in between there? There must be like a, a V6. I think there. I think there's a 3.2-liter something. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Oh, it has 505 horsepower. That's the actual that's number. A, that's a lot of horsepowers. It is, and it's supposed to do 60 in 3.7 seconds, which is that's extremely very quick. That's very part, fast. It, 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 I don't know, you know, I don't even know if a manual transmission would make it better because that that peaky power band. Hmm. It's a it's a it's an eight speed auto, by the way. It, it's probably I'm not sure if it's the same auto that was in the 4C, which I really liked. I don't have a problem with the transmission; it works fine. Um, it's just the package is weird. It, it's it's a, it's a weird car. It's 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 almost like Alpha. They were like. Mm, let's build a really cool car that only ten people will appreciate. Yeah. And and then they did. They built it. <laughs> and, this, uh, this is another really weird thing. If this is a, if this gets the reputation of being a really twitchy, strange, like um, you got to be hardcore to 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 have one of the things, one of these things. It's going to be like the Viper situation again, won't it? 
Maybe they, they get this reputation and people are like, I don't know if I want that. I'll just go with the Mercedes. But to get a reputation, enough people have to buy the car to talk about it. And <laughs> yeah, or I the mean, journalists all say something like that. That's a big problem for Alpha is like, where am I going to go buy this? You know, mm-hmm. like I, I had people, though, come up to me and say, hey, I just saw they're putting a you're driving that Alpha. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I just saw they're putting a new dealership up somewhere. And I was like, oh, wow. So there, there, you know, there is brand recognition and there are people who are out there who aren't necessarily gearheads, but who who are, have an interest in cars. And they're noticing that Alpha is making this play for our market. So that's good news for them. Uh, you're right, actually. And I've also seen really effective marketing or commercials on this on this vehicle, um, which I think are going to play in its favor very well. That's uh, that's have you seen these commercials yet? No, I, I don't watch terrestrial television. Oh, that's right. Um, that's why you're always so obsessed with going to the moon and Mars. It's um, just better. They don't blur things out. Yeah, the censorship is much more relaxed. I think that's it. Do you have any other uh, any other stories you want to tell here? No, I, I think story time's over. How about you, Sammy? I think I am just about finished. And before we say goodbye, I'm going to remind our listeners that um, they can get in touch with either you or me very easily. Uh, I always prefer Twitter. And you can reach me at Sammy underscore Ha. And Ben, they can find you. um, And if they want to talk to you about car noises, which is apparently what you're an expert in, is uh, they can reach you at at, um, Hunting Benjamin. That is correct. Or, Or you can email me. Uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com or you can find us in a variety of other ways on Facebook you can look up Unnamed Automotive Podcast we are there we are on SoundCloud Unnamed Automotive Podcast we are on iTunes Unnamed Automotive Podcast and we are at UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com you can also go to Google Play Music and find Unnamed Automotive Podcast there and if you do find us on any of these services and you do subscribe that's awesome but if you could like rate us or like us or whatever it is that happens to indicate to other people that we're alive that would be great too that'd be awesome and uh, you know what would be awesome next week we're going to have more fun things to talk about um, I've got another Volvo on my hands this time the V90 Cross Country which is a slightly raised wagon and I'd love to talk to you about that and Ben are you driving anything cool next week? No, next week I'm actually not driving anything at home, but I am going to Seattle to drive the Audi A5 Sportback, which is like an A7 Sportback, but smaller. Yeah, slightly smaller. And when I say A7 Sportback, I mean A7. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for thank you for uh, fixing that. Hold the hate, hold the hate tweets, people. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much, listeners, for uh, hanging out with us for the last uh, few minutes, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye, everybody.